Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors here at the RFP, Free Life Soap. They are a sponsor, and you can go to therecoveringfundamentalist.org, click on their link. When you go there, put in the promo code RFP, get 10% off of your order. We also want to thank all of our brand new Patreon subscribers. Guys, this is incredible. 16 new Patreon subscribers. In two days? That's amazing, man. Awesome. Unreal. These folks have believed in the vision. They they have wanted to come alongside of us and help us with our monthly overhead. They're buying in, man. That's the word I was looking for. I knew knew I'd get around to it eventually, and you (laughs) did it. Thank you. We want to thank all of those folks that are part of our Patreon. You can be a part of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast by going to recoveringfundamentalist.org right there at the top of the screen it says click here to become a patreon do that and help us out here at the recovering fundamentalist podcast y'all ready to get this show started hit it yes sir let's go Starts in three. You know what makes women stupid is college. Jesus was not a bartender. Hi, man. Two. You have lost your mind. Long tongue heifers have given me a lot more trouble than heifers wearing breeches. And you know that. Say amen right there. One. Let me tell you something, bozo. They'll be selling frosties in hell for this boy. Put on a pair of pink underwear. Amen. I sucked my thumb till I was 14 years of age. Hi, man. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. This is episode number 18. We're your hosts, JC, Nathan, and Brian, coming to you live from the J Radio Studios. Guys, can you believe we are 18 episodes in already? I can't believe it, and that's not even counting the extras or the preview episodes. That's just 18 straight-up episodes since January. That is a milestone because I heard recently that most podcasts never make it beyond 10 episodes. Wow. That's crazy. It's kind of like a blog. Have either of you ever started a blog? Like nine times. (laughs) (laughs) You get two or three posts in the first week or month, and then it goes to like one in the next 16 years. And then you come back and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this thing, and and I never do. Did y'all ever have a Zanga account? Do you remember Zanga? I remember it, but I don't know that I had an account. Zanga was like before Twitter and before Facebook. It was like what a... Zenials did. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. <laughs> but I loved Zanya. Zang, Zanga. That's what it was. It was like a blog, but you would put pictures on there. I found mine the other day. No way. I had hair. Oh, that's how long whoa. ago it was. Everybody that listens to us is going to be looking for that. I found it the other is day. Is it public? It's public. Dude, go find JC Grove Zanga. And here's the other crazy thing. I logged onto my MySpace the Whoa. other day. Oh, man. You remember your password? No, but I finally found it because <laughs> the email address that I used, <laughs> this is so crazy. This this will show you how how weird it was leaving fundamentalism. My, my email password was jcg4him at aol.com. <laughs> And mom and dad thought it was for Jesus. It was because the boy band for him. And I was for so excited. For him and Point of Grace were like, I was like, oh, oh I'm so cutting edge. JCG for him at AOL.com. But yeah, I figured out my password, got in there. Dude, that's where I met my wife. No way. That's MySpace. amazing. But I can't, I can't remember passwords from accounts I opened two weeks earlier. <laughs> that's true. I have a Yahoo email address that I've tried to get into now so much. 
that the email address is completely locked up. Yahoo has banned me forever. That's how mine is with Hotmail. I, my Facebook still to log in is GrovesJC at Hotmail.com, and I can't figure out how to get like that changed. I have not been on JC, GrovesJC at Hotmail.com in probably 15, 16 years. There's no telling. I've got more emails <laughs> sitting in that email address than Brian has text messages on his phone. <laughs> I don't know. Right now, I'm close to 600 unanswered text. Brian. That makes my OCD brain just blow up. And by the way, he's not joking. He is not joking. I've seen it. It was at about 200 when I saw it, but. That's unreal. Yeah. That's why you didn't know we were starting at 9 o'clock tonight. (laughs) 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 And I love it because I've been late. Two or three times. That's well, I'm speaking with grace, generously. I've been late two or three times. Well, Nate, you you were not only late last week, but you got profiled Ooh, last week, dude. So last episode, Nate had a little fender bender on the highway on his way into the epi- the studio to record that episode, and and the police officer. It's twenty. It's so twenty twenty. What did he put on your? T- well, in the race, it says Caucasian, white slash Mexican slash Puerto Rican slash. <laughs> other and i mean he just wanted to cover his bases i guess man he didn't it want was an email. so funny when i saw it but i want to correct jc for saying a fender bender jc don't you mean another another fender bender? yes thank you for correcting me i will never ride with nathan he's just, riding with me from i just here on need out. to say he ran into me i was minding my own business he sideswiped me and he's paying for my truck to be fixed that's so. good but you've literally had 15 of those stories in the last little bit, it feels like. How many wrecks have you had this year alone? One. In the the last... last one was in November. <laughs> <laughs> and that one almost took your life, and There man. was another one the, that earlier that year, another small one that was not my fault. I mean, was, I've never been in a wreck, wow. but I'm not riding with you because I know it would happen. <laughs> that, that wreck in November, though, it about took your life. It, it you, could have been really bad. You rolled that. Yeah. Xterra a couple times. FJ Cruiser. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, and Toyotas are awesome. Well, I hope I'm riding with Nathan just before the rapture because I'm never more right with God than I am <laughs> when I'm riding with him. Especially going up and down Lookout Mountain. Brian loves riding with me. Oh, you make me so nervous because you're fiddling with the radio. Yes. You're looking around. You're pointing things out. It's like you're just chilling in the front yard, but you're moving 65 miles an hour. <laughs> you, you're white-knuckling that old crap handle up there like you were a back of a pew at a <laughs> yeah. camp meeting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I love that. I'm glad we could laugh about that because I'm going to be honest, guys. It's kind of been a rough week. Yeah. It's been ministry. All three of us are pastors. And, you know, we, we're on our group chat all the time and just, just talking amongst the, us three. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's been a heavy week. Have y'all felt yeah. that this week? Just a heaviness? Yeah, this has been possibly the most challenging week of my ministry. Yeah. And that's saying a lot. Mm. It's rough. Yeah, it's been a difficult week. Uh, you know, right now, you can't do anything right no matter what you do. You can't say anything right no matter what you say. You know, there are people who are saying, let's get back in the buildings. Then there are other people who are saying, how insensitive of you to you know, pick back up services in a building. We can't speak with regard to anything racially going on. And then on top of that, you know, COVID-19 in this season, what we're seeing among God's people is it's given way to a real season of coldness Mm. um, in a lot of ways spiritually. I think we're just, we're out of step. And I think, you know, the enemy, he doesn't come until you've been fasting for 40 days. Yeah. And then he shows up. So he shows up when you're your weakest. Yeah. And I don't want to go into any detail, but I know between the three of us pastoring 
congregations, multiple congregations, that we're dealing with divorce, mm. betrayal, accusations. Stab straight in the back. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. Yeah. I mean, that, and I posted something this week on social media. that The pain of, like, when people leave, when people talk about you, when people put that axe, not just a knife, but that axe in your back, I mean, that's hurt, yeah. you know? When you've spent countless hours and hours investing and pouring into and giving yourself into these, this situation. I mean, we you become part of that situation, you know? And then for them to just turn around and walk away, it's it's hard. Yeah, and so it's many really times hard. the pastor becomes the enemy, public enemy My number goodness. one. One side or the other is going to turn 100%. on the pastor, and it doesn't matter how godly of advice you give yeah. or how gracious you are to people you become the enemy if you stand up and do what's right even in a loving way mm. so it's 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 been a rough week but man I'm so thankful that I have friends like you guys yeah. to uh lean on and I've had multiple friends this week reach out to me and just at the perfect time uh buddy Christian Coder sent me a song today mm. and it's a song I'd never heard about uh peace be still yeah. and dude it just absolutely made my day yeah it's beautiful. Been an interesting week for sure, no matter what you're kind of going through. And I know we have a lot of folks that listen that are pastors, guys that are in ministry, ladies that serve in ministry. And, you know, we we get it. We're not just guys that sit here and talk into a microphone. We don't have a corner market on this side of it. We, we struggle. And, yeah. you know, we're just we're honest and real here. And uh, I tell you, a highlight for me and you, Nathan, uh, we talked about it last time, the folks that come through town that we get to hang out with. And Brian up there in Danville, he doesn't get to see anybody, but <laughs> homeboy from Moonshiners. But, I mean, this week alone, we've gotten to sit down with some folks that listen to the podcast and have some great conversations. I know we were sitting in Champions the other day waiting on uh, the Spurgeons who were in town from uh, Pennsylvania. We got to sit down and have a great meal with them. But while we were waiting on them, Tracy Wright, who is the music director up at uh, Covenant Prez, uh, sat down. Home, man, he just went on. I love He's Tracy. Hilarious, He's man. the band director at Ringgold High okay, School. Okay, yeah. And uh, Tracy's awesome. He just he, he had, had some a, amazing stories, man. Did. It was so funny. Tracy is a history buff. He knows everything about Catoosa County, Ringgold history, and uh, I'm looking forward to sitting back down with Tracy someday and having a chat. Uh, we got to go out to dinner tonight just before we recorded uh, with Daniel Weinmiller. Daniel's <clears throat> on his way to Romania. He's raising support right now, going to build deaf ministries in churches in Romania. Mm. Brian, it was really cool, Daniel's story. He was an orphan in Romania that was adopted, and all these years later, he's going back now uh, to that the country incredible. of Romania. So that was pretty fun. His life has been tremendously impacted by the IFB. He was a student at Howells Anderson. And, I mean, Daniel shared some incredible stories of his time as a student. Yeah, he was there right after. Scop. Yeah, fell. And, I mean, of course, that was just like an A-bomb going off yeah. there. And it affected his life. And he had some major men of God in his life that said, hey, don't go back. Don't yeah. step back into that. And so his journey out of fundamentalism and, and things was, was really inspiring. We enjoyed sitting down with him and found out later that he is actually one of our Patreon sponsors. So how cool is that, dude? Oh, that's great. That's amazing. Yeah, and you know, I would just say to him, it's so awesome that he's continuing in ministry. How awesome is it that he understood what we talked about maybe last episode or a couple of episodes ago, that just because people fail, it doesn't mean that Jesus has failed. Amen. And, uh, how, how amazing is it to know that God brought him here from Romania, saved him, has prepared him, and now he's going back to Romania yeah. To be a huge blessing. That is just an incredible story. That was awesome. We get to go tomorrow. We're going, Nate, we're going down to Atlanta and having lunch with Jason Settle um, at the Battery Atlanta. Have you ever eaten at El Felix? Not yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Those fajitas, man, you... 
they're good. Trust me. If everybody could eat those, they'd bring world peace. Trust me. They're that good. So if you're coming through the Chattanooga area or you're lost and you're off the beaten path and going through Danville, Virginia, uh, hey, give us a shout. Look us up, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, we'd love to say hey to you and uh, get to know you. Nate, what are we talking about tonight? Man, this is something we've talked about since before we even started the podcast because if there was a flagship verse for the IFB that I grew up in, it would unequivocally be 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, that in the King James Version says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We need to get back to separated living. The reason why we've lost our power is because we're not separated. I'm not a legalist tonight, but I believe God's people ought to be different. There's places we ought not go. There's books we ought not read. There's movies we ought not watch. I want to tell you, there's, listen, there's a crowd we ought not run with. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Thus saith the Lord God. He said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to tell you, it's a shame that some preachers And some Christians live in a way that would cause angels to weep. I want to tell you, God's people ought to be a separate people. Clean. I'm telling you right now, we need to get back. Church, love not the world, neither the things in the world. Any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You look like a duck, act like a duck, talk like a duck, quack like a duck. I'm going to think that you're a duck. You look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world. I'm saying you're the world. Billy Sunday said there's no such thing as a worldly, worldly Christian any more than there's a heavenly devil. God's people ought to be separate. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be separate. God says of Israel, I've made a difference between you and Egypt. And God's people ought to be different. Walk right, talk right, I tell you, in in every kind of way, holiness under the Lord. Can I get an amen right there? In that clip, he referenced Billy Sunday. I'm not really sure that was the best reference to make. Billy Sunday said himself, I've won thousands to Christ yet my own sons are not saved. Mm. Billy Sunday preached to the masses, and a lot of people give him credit for winning the masses, and yet Billy Sunday lost his own family. You know, when I hear him preaching that, this is what I hear. I hear a series of talking points that I've been hearing since I was a child. It's like a jigsaw puzzle being put together, and the picture is always the same. Anytime they preach separation, it's always, you know, that same similar rant. And and what he's doing there is blending separation from the world and separation from other denominations or other people who would consider themselves Christians. So having sat through many, many sermons that use this verse as either the main point or just referenced it somewhere in the sermon, I had to ask the question, what is this verse really talking about? Come out from among them and be ye separate. It says back in verse 14 that he's talking about unbelievers. But the context that I heard this in most of the time was independent Baptists coming out from the Southern Baptist and separating yourself, multiple degrees of separation, from anybody who had any differing 
opinions from you. John Fay wrote an article in the Trinity Journal that referenced four different stages of American fundamentalism. I thought this was really interesting. The first phase was called the Irenic phase, which is the peaceful phase. And that was 1893 through 1919. This was after a lot of the ideas were coming into the church about evolution, Darwinism, German biblical higher criticism, the social gospel. And the church conservatives started identifying there were some real issues with this. So fundamentalists kind of began to set up their viewpoints and the five fundamentals, and that was the beginning of the fundamentalists in America, but it was a a really peaceful season. Then they transitioned to the militant phase, and the first person that comes to mind in the militant phase is J. Frank Norris, where he is just boldly proclaiming, standing out against anybody who's different. They came out of, he actually got kicked out of the Southern Baptist and then pulled out of the Southern Baptist, and that was the militant phase. Then the third phase, which picked up in 1941 through 1960, was when fundamentalism split into evangelical and separatist, and then into neo-evangelical. So there's all these schisms within fundamentalism where they're, dividing from one another. And the fourth phase, which I think is so insightful, he says was the separatist phase, and that was 1960 through today, where this separatist fundamentalist began to constantly fracture and pull apart from each other to the point where nobody is in agreement. And I will go back to the point that everybody within the fundamentalist spectrum would agree on the fundamentals of the faith, which were very conservative, but they wouldn't fellowship with each other. So there's this whole idea of you got to separate from everybody into your little camp, your little circle, and mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with other Christians that may have 99.9% of the views that you have. But if they're wrong on one thing, we're not going to have anything to do with them. What's actually happening is it's cannibalizing. Independent fundamentalists are cannibalizing themselves because you have variations of beliefs. Uh, For example, Tony Hudson recently said, I wouldn't associate with a person who had a friend, who had a friend, who had a friend, who was a Southern Baptist. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got other guys who would say, I have no issue going to have lunch with this good Southern Baptist brother down the road. Someone finds out he went to have lunch with a Southern Baptist brother. And the first thing you know, there's a division that's been created. So what happens? The division spreads throughout the church, and then down the road, they start another church. And it's not based on anything that's biblical or theological, anything substantial. It's simply based on issues of separation that aren't even clearly defined in the Scripture. Yeah, That's a big problem. And you know what I find crazy about that? Like being out in Utah— when you found somebody that loved Jesus, it really didn't matter what denomination they yeah. were. I was wow. going to lunch with a Lutheran. I was going to lunch with a Episcopalian. We're still wondering about them. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> having lunch like the other youth pastor in town was 45 minutes away that we would have to drive, and he was a, a Methodist youth pastor. I wonder if this is more of a South thing yeah. in certain ways. Because, I mean, you get out West, out there to Salt Lake, and, I mean, we're hanging out with all kinds of yeah. denominations. I think that's one of the problems in the Independent Baptist Church with reconversions. Mm. Uh, You know, you were there in Utah to reach people 
who were far from God. Those Mormons fell into that category. Your only way to share Jesus with them was to to engage them. That mm-hmm. was your mission field. That's where God had you. I think a lot of times independent fundamentalists become so separated. The only people who are being saved are the people who are being saved again right. and again and again because there there is no engaging the community. It's a culture within a culture. Yeah, and there's so many schisms between the camps, and it's only fair that that happens because when you look back at the flow of the major fundamentalist leaders, because fundamentalism has always been dependent upon mega personalities. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. fair to say. It started out, I would say, with the Baptist, the IFB, with J. Frank Norris. Then it kind of flowed into a friendship with John R. Rice, and they had a split. They had a schism. Then John R. Rice and Bob Jones and this new young evangelist named Billy Graham from North Carolina is <laughs> thrust on the scene, and they're all together, and they're all excited. And then they have a split, and Billy Graham's kicked out, and he's not on the board of the Sword of the Lord anymore. Mm-hmm. And then Jones and Rice split up, and just all these splits, and they keep splitting and splitting and splitting. And I'm wondering about the verse that says, They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. That's supposed to be the distinguishing mark of believers and yet independent Baptists that, let's just be honest, they think they're the only ones that's right. But the one distinguishing mark is missing Hmm. in that. And I'll be honest, let's be fair across the board here. I think every denomination struggles with this. Every church struggles with unity. There are things going on within our churches right now that are threatening to divide and to be divisive, but for that to be what a movement is known for, just this constant butting of heads of the personalities and the leaders, it's I would say that unity is not the defining mark of that movement. It's separation at the expense of love. Uh, to go back, you know, to come out from among them and be separate, we know that the Apostle Paul was not talking about associating with unbelievers in general. Um, If we were to try to do that, well, we couldn't even live in the world today because what does the lady at the local Dollar General uh, believe? What does the waitress at the restaurant believe? What does the banker believe? Mm. You know, we we rub shoulders every day with people in this post-Christian world who would say they really don't believe in anything. And then there are a lot of other people who believe a lot of various things. And yet Paul wrote in the previous epistle in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said this literally, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or the idolaters, for then you would have to go out of this world. You can't even be in this world and not associate with people. And so this message of come out from among them and be separate has been so abused. Nathan, I mean, what is the true context of this passage? I think if we look at the passage, moving back to verse 14, he says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And then when you get down to verse 17, he's saying, come out from among them. And he's quoting some verses from the Old Testament, Isaiah fifty-two eleven, Ezekiel 20:34 Ezekiel 20:41 Zephaniah 3:20 and Brian I think you mentioned another verse in there as well 
Yeah, there's like a brief reference in Hosea It's connected to those verses. Yeah, and they're all talking about the same thing, which should give us a clue to the context of this verse. They're all talking about Israel who was in captivity, returning to the land that God had promised them, and the promise of salvation through the Messiah. So he's definitely telling them to come out from the world and to be separate. But what I grew up in was an IFB that railed against anybody who had any secondary or third-level differences. For example, the church across the street could affirm the deity of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, all the way down, you know, one orthodox doctrine after another. And then if you got down to the second coming of Christ, which, by the way, they affirmed too, but they weren't premillennial. We have no fellowship with them. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. That's not what that verse is talking about. One of the best articles I've ever seen dealing with this issue was written by Al Mohler, and it is an article called A Call for Theological Triage and Christian Maturity. As you know, triage in the emergency room is something that is necessary for Mm -hmm. people to survive. For example, if I come in with a cut on my thumb, I may have to wait for a long time to get back to see a doctor because if a guy comes in having a heart attack, they're going to take him ahead of me because it's not necessarily who gets there first. It's the importance of their condition and the severity of their condition. He says a discipline of theological triage would require Christians to determine a scale of theological urgency that would correspond to the medical world's framework for medical priority. With this in mind, I would suggest three levels of theological urgency, each corresponding to a set of issues and theological priorities found in current doctrinal debates. So here's what he says. First level theological issues would include doctrines that are most central and essential to Christian faith. Included among these most crucial doctrines would be doctrines such as the Trinity, the full deity and humanity of Christ, justification by faith, and the authority of Scripture. So if we make first-level theological issues, things that are essential to the faith, then we have to talk about what secondary-level issues are. He suggests mode of baptism, for example, Baptists and Presbyterians, fervently disagree about the most basic understanding of Christian baptism. We had a conversation about that today, JC. But they can agree to disagree, and they recognize each other as believing Christians. And maybe you don't go to the same church, but you still believe that each other are Christians. Then he says there's third-order issues or doctrines that Christians may disagree on and remain in close fellowship, even within the same local congregation. The things that he puts into this category would be things like eschatology. We can go to the same church and have disagreements on whether Christ is coming back before the tribulation or mid-trib or Mm post-trib. For me, the first time I read this 10 years ago, he wrote this in 2005. And the first time I found this, I was like, why wasn't I taught this when I was a kid? Why wasn't I taught this in seminary? Because this is such a big deal. It's totally different than everybody has to check every single box for me to fellowship with them. Yeah, you know, we lived in this world where everything was held in the closed hand. Nothing was in the open hand. And what I mean by that is there are things that are absolutely essential to our faith that we are not willing to let go of. We Mm -hmm. cling to those things with tenacity. 
But then there are other things that really aren't worth going to war over. And it doesn't, in the end, impact whether or not a person is a follower of Jesus Christ. We grew up in that world where everything was in the closed hand. Yeah, I remember hearing of people who were thrown out of the church because someone saw them in a restaurant having a glass of wine with a meal. I remember hearing of people who were thrown out of the church because the wife was seen somewhere shopping in a pair of pants. I mean, the, the examples just go on and on and on. And it's everything in the closed hand and everything can't live in the closed hand. JC, I love that story a few minutes ago about you having fellowship with people that would have otherwise been out of your sphere. You would have never came into fellowship with those people. And yet you were so desperate to sit down with other people who loved and believed in Jesus that it forced you to see things from a different perspective. You had to put some things in the open hand. Yeah, I think when you get away from the context of what you've been uh, preached at your whole life and put into a place where you just want to find somebody that loves Jesus, it puts it, it's kind of like when you're thirsty enough, you'll drink water, no matter if it's got a little bit of dirt in it or not, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think in, in certain ways, I was so desperate for somebody that loved Jesus and knew them that it didn't matter if they didn't line up everything theologically with me. I just wanted somebody that knew Jesus and mm. loved Jesus and was trying to be more like him. We're both on different paths. But they were trying to be that. And you can challenge each other on your viewpoints and you can have discussions. And we've done that through this podcast. I received an email this week that really challenged me on a past episode. And I told the guy, I'm going to get my stuff together. I'm going to answer this thoroughly and we'll have this conversation. And I think that's that's a healthy thing. Yeah. Talking about having fellowship with people who knew Jesus and then being in a different context, some of the coolest letters we've already received. Uh, at the RFP have been from missionaries who went to the field, independent fundamental Baptist, and once they got to the mission field, their world was turned upside down because they were in a different context, and IFB didn't work. I heard John MacArthur say, if you can't preach your message in a different zip code, you're preaching the wrong message. Wow. Yeah. If you can't preach your message in a different country, You're preaching the wrong message. If it only works in a specific location, Mm. then it's not the right message. And Mm. this message of separation, as it's preached by fundamental Baptists, it just doesn't work in a different context. I mean, JC, uh, I know you have this story about starting a Bible study in a cigar shop. Mm -hmm. That's totally out of people's sphere of even understanding. I think it'd be cool if you told that story, actually. Yeah, it just, it it was more along the lines of there's a group of men that would never step foot in church. And a buddy that owned that said, hey, why don't we just get together? I'll provide a cigar and we just talk about the Bible. And I didn't stand up and preach. We just sat there and talked about Bible and they asked questions and I answered with what I knew while everybody's smoking a cigar. And it was just more along the context. But when church folk heard that, it brought up at the time I was a youth pastor at Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, and it was, why are you hanging out with the sinners? Why are you with them? Well, that's always been my go-to is I want to be more like Jesus. Who was Jesus hanging out with? Yes, he hung out with the 12 disciples, but they weren't cream of the crop in certain ways. I mean, they were pretty rough dudes (laughs) if you think about it. But look who Jesus was always around. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the Zacchaeuses, you know what I mean? Like the guys that were the thieves, if you will. And 
I got pushback. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, there was a petition going around as I'm standing up preaching in the pulpit at Anchor of Hope Baptist Church in Rossville, Georgia, mm. on that Sunday because somebody in that church, a Karen, found out that there was a Bible study <laughs> happening at a cigar shop in Chattanooga, and that petition was going around, and if they got enough votes— I was gone. And I found it halfway through and said, hey, let me put my name on the list because I want out of here. <laughs> right in the wow. middle of the message as it's <laughs> passing in front of me, I said, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I quit just a couple weeks later. And wouldn't that fall into the category of Mars Hill mm. where you are encountering the unsaved and exchanging ideas and challenging them and telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ? I think there's a place for that. Yeah. I, I wonder if we call that a church no, that's not a church. Mm-mm. A church is a gathering of believers, a body of believers, but that definitely falls in the category of ministry and missions. So here's a verse that's always been thrown out where he says, I became all things to all people that I might reach some. Yeah. Now, some take the liberty of that and become something, you know, I mean, there, there's folks that I'm sure that we all know that take that liberty of that verse and yeah. they go all out. I think we all have different levels of comfort. I mean, there's things, Brian, Nathan, that I would do that I'm comfortable with doing that you two might not necessarily feel doing. And we have three different styles of how we lead our churches. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Our churches are different styles. Um, There's things that we do at my church that you wouldn't do at your church. And there's a lot of things y'all do that I wouldn't necessarily do. And mm-hmm. that, that's where there's grace given in that. And it's not, oh, I got to be separate from you two because you're not doing it the way I'm doing it. So bless God, we're not associating with each other. Yeah, and that's the three different levels or the closed exactly. hand and the open hand. I think the closed hand would definitely be issues that define whether or not you're a Christian. Can we agree on that? Mm-hmm. Like if yeah. you reject the Trinity, sure, the Godhead, can you really truly be a Christian if you're not believing in the one true God? Probably no. not. <laughs> I know there are people that don't quite have the right understanding of that, and you grow in your understanding of that, but if you reject the Trinity, the God that's revealed in the Bible, can you really be a Christian? If you reject the deity of Christ, that's the Antichrist. I mm. mean, you can't, the Bible says you reject the Son, you've rejected the Father as well. So that's, you know, the closed hand is first level issues, and that defines whether or not you're a Christian. But then there's the open hand or the second and third levels that are different degrees of things that we can agree to disagree on, and everybody can't be right, right. but we don't have to break fellowship because someone does things a little bit differently than me. JC, when you were telling you know that story just mm-hmm. a moment ago and, and you referenced Zacchaeus, do you realize if Jesus had believed an independent fundamental Baptist view of separation, the Bible would not say, and Jesus went to his house? Mm. Yeah. And I love that verse because chapter 7 of Luke 19, where that passage is found, number 7 talks about all the independent fundamental Baptists. They're all standing there grumbling that he's gone to be guests with a man that's a sinner. Isn't that what they're all doing? They're all grumbling right. all the time. And that goes back to what we were saying a few moments ago. Come out from among them and be ye separate. It's not talking about other denominations. It's not talking about the Southern Baptist Church. And then it's not talking about sinners that you desire to reach with the gospel. You know, Jesus was a friend of sinners, but the Bible never says he was a friend of sin. Mm. The reason we've lost our effectiveness in sharing the gospel is because we're friends of sin and we lose our credibility in front of sinners. So it's really important that we follow Jesus' model. So what I'm not saying is, you know, we, we show up on spring break week and we get as drunk as everybody else and say, oh, but we're here to share the gospel. Um, that's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, this idea of separation doesn't exclude us 
from people who are very different than us that we want to reach with the gospel. And, you know, Brian, a very practical story for what you just shared there. There's there's a man years ago who lived next door to us, a guy across the street. They would be sitting over there. We would hang out on a Friday night. Those guys would kick back some beers. You know, they were they wouldn't go to church on Sunday when I'm going in on Saturday nights. I'm hanging out with them. They're friends. They're neighbors. They would stay over there and party until all hours of the night. Well, the gentleman across the street gave his life to Jesus, started attending an independent fundamental Baptist church. And a few weeks later, he's standing there literally in his front yard preaching at the house of the guy that was across the street. And I'm mm. like, hold up, hold up, back up. You were literally over there having a beer with him just a few weeks ago, and here you are preaching at him now because he had that we got to be separate. We can't look like them. We can't talk like mm. them. We can't associate with them. JC, I've seen that so many times when someone gets saved, and instead of reaching out to their friends in love and trying to win them for Christ, they begin to condemn them and act as if they're better than them when, like you said, they were on the other side of the fence just a few days ago. And I think that really does more to hurt the cause of Christ than it does to help it. And it all seems to go back to this idea of separation that really doesn't line up with Scripture. So we've talked about both situations where the view of separation from other denominations doesn't line up with Scripture, where the view of separation from anybody in the world doesn't line up with Scripture because that's not possible. Yes, we're supposed to separate from sin. Yes, we are supposed to live different lives. But this is a problem with the way that we treat people outside of the church and inside of the church. Mm -hmm. And I think some of our listeners may not realize how big of a problem this is where one denomination is yelling and screaming against another denomination or another branch of the same denomination, believes things a little bit differently than them or even wears clothes a little different than them? Make Jesus the Lord of your life, bro. Really? You know, with, 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 your, uh, you know with, with all your skinny jeans and, and, and your you know, strategically placed you know, Ithaca's fish tattoos or whatever, WWJD tats on your forearm. You know, and your little trendy haircut. Nathan. What, what is it with these kids with it shave the side of their head and then they got this flowing hair or whatever? Pick one, man. Pick one. Either grow your hair shaggy or shave it all off. Hey, man. Look like some kind of freak. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep the same haircut, you know, for the rest of my life. You know, uh, uh, let me tell you something, kids. Don't think about hairstyle. And I'm talking to the little kids now. Don't think about hairstyle or, hey, I'm going to have the, just have a normal haircut. That way, in 10 years, you're going to look back and have a normal haircut. In 20 years, you're going to look back and see pictures of you with a normal haircut. Because at one point, hey, rat tails were popular. And a bunch of people had rat tails. And now you look back at, you know, they see these pictures like, man, I can't believe I had a rat tail. I don't even know how we got, oh, yeah, we're talking about these youth leader faggots is what we're talking about. <laughs> Why do you call them a faggot? Because they dress like fags. Because they dress like queers. And they make more money than I do, and I'm angry. I'm just kidding. No, you're not. Seriously, I mean, I know one in particular. He just stands up there and plays the guitar. 50 grand a year the guy makes. 50,000 in his skinny jeans. You know, in his little tiny tee, his little tiny graphic tee. You know, it makes me want to take my calloused hands and do violence to him. I'm just kidding. It doesn't. Damn flesh, right? It doesn't. I don't even know why I said all these things. I don't know. I don't know where I went with that. Oh, well. Did you notice what was missing in that? 
Yeah. Hmm. The Bible. <laughs> he never mentioned a single verse. Um, you know, that kind of took me back. Can you guys remember when bowl cuts came in style? Oh, yeah. I wanted one. Dad wouldn't let <laughs> me. Well, I had I had enough hair to get one back then. <laughs> and my wife's mom was a beautician. And she gave me a bowl cut. <laughs> Chili bowl. It was yeah, it was right at Christmas time. And it was actually shorter hair. If you think about it, it yeah. was almost yeah. a high and tight. And uh I showed up at Christmas <laughs> and my whole family just started railing on me. And uh one of my family members actually made this statement. You ruined our whole Christmas. <laughs> so my bowl cut <laughs> ruined uh wow. the birth of Jesus and gifts and Christmas decorations and food and everything else. I hear that sermon clip and it takes me back to that and it's nauseating. When I was fifteen, I got my very first chili bowl haircut and it's embarrassing because looking back <laughs> it's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> but I went home and was told what I looked like. It was one of the words in that last clip, yeah. and I had to promptly go back and get my whole head shaved because there was a camp meeting the next week, and I couldn't be mm. seen. I couldn't be seen yeah. looking like the world. When I had hair, it was really curly. I had like a white boy Jerry curl, so I mm. couldn't really do anything with that, but I put a lot of gel in there, and I'll never forget. To, we went to sing at a camp meeting, and the pastor was like, well, you got that hell gel all up in your hair for? And it was literally telling me I'm worldly because I had hair gel. Like, I had this wet look, and he's like, that's too seductive. It needs to be dry. I remember that conversation to this day. Told me my hair needed to be dry and not wet look. Mm. Well, separation when we were growing up wasn't what the Bible said. It was based on what the brethren were going to think. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's why it was constantly changing. Yeah, and listening to that clip, which, by the way, just grieved my yeah. spirit, because, man, he's not talking about someone who's railing against Christ, someone who's totally rejected the Bible. He's talking about someone who has different preferences but still believes most of the other doctrines. I don't know if you caught it, but he's he's hitting at the reformed crowd there, mm -hmm. the lordship of Christ. Yeah, Jesus is my lord, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's talking against people who affirm all the fundamentals of the faith, but it's not good enough for him. It didn't fit his narrative. It doesn't fit the storyline that he's selling to the congregation. Mm. And so without a verse, you can rant about hair and clothes and everything else for an extended period of time and the audience sits there and feels like they're hearing from God and they don't even realize all they've heard is the insanity of a man. Hmm. So let's move into the true context of this verse. Faye says in this article that separation for the fourth phase separatist fundamentalism goes hand in hand with the movement's interpretation of personal holiness. Hmm. Holiness implies a complete separation from evil, which for fundamentalists includes worldly amusements, such as card playing, dancing, attendance at the cinema, and drinking. The only way to maintain a pure biblical church is to remain separate from anything that might corrupt it, even if this demands separation from a fellow Christian who does not adhere to such stringent guidelines. And that's not at all what Paul was talking about. 
there's even question with regard to this come out from among them and be separate passage. Was Paul referring exclusively to idolaters or was he also including those who were living in sin? And for the most part, Nathan, people believe he was speaking with regard to idolaters because of the very scriptures that you referenced earlier. You know, when when God's people were in Babylonian captivity, they were having intimate relationship with idolaters, which was leading them to idolatry. So this is not just some frivolous thing. Come out from among them and be separate. And that's everybody and everything that we choose to name. It was really, really specific. And when it comes to biblical holiness, we affirm that. We believe that Christians should act differently. We believe we should shine the light of Christ in culture. We believe there should be some distinctions. But when it comes to third-level issues or open-hand issues, I mean, let's just be honest. Does anybody agree 100% with me? No. No. I don't even agree 100% with me. I mean, I'm I'm constantly trying to align my viewpoint with Scripture. So I'm not the standard, and that's the danger of this. We make ourselves or our church the standard, and I'm never going to be the standard. Jesus is the standard. Scripture is the standard, and that's what we want to constantly get in line with. So when we look at the history of the movement, and this whole idea of separatism, and I've brought this up over and over and over multiple episodes because for me this is one of the real core breakdown issues of what's wrong with this movement. And I would love to see this fixed within the movement Mm. as I have seen it fixed out of the movement. And we've said before, yeah, there's a pendulum swing. Yeah, we may swing over to the other side and associate too much with things that we probably should distance ourselves from. But that's something that we've got to find a balance in. Yeah, I think what you just hit on right there is very important because the fear that is put into us that if you go to a movie house, if you listen to certain music, if you play cards, it's driven into our brains from this legalistic standpoint for so long that we start to believe it is Scripture. And ultimately, that's why we said in our mission statement, we want to help but encourage and challenge. We want to encourage folks to realize Study the scriptures for yourself. Understand what real holiness looks like mm-hmm. because, you know, it's kind of like the Mormons when they give their life to Jesus. It's not by me standing and preaching to them when I was in Utah. It was them reading scripture for themselves and figuring that out and beginning yeah. a relationship with Jesus. We want to challenge you and encourage you that, hey, these man-made rules, these man-made ideology that we're, we've been talking about for 18 episodes now, this is what it's talking about. Going to a movie house, playing cards, certain type of music, what you wear, does it fit in the parameter of scripture? If you read scripture and that's what it says for you, then you better follow that. But you cannot be legalistic and hold that over everybody. You know, several years ago, I was in uh, upstate New York and we were riding snowmobiles. And um, by the way, riding snowmobiles, I made fun of those guys. I was like, man, you guys are sissies. We ride four wheelers in the South. And they were like, you just wait. I rode a snowmobile all night long. I couldn't even sit down in a bathtub. (laughs) I was hurting so bad. We were riding snowmobiles. Yeah, it was rough. But we were riding snowmobiles, and it was late at night, and those trails go for hours and hours and hours. And all at once, we we were in this huge forest, but we came out of it, and there was this little clearing. And in the clearing, there was this little building, and uh, the lights were on, and there were snowmobiles parked everywhere all around it. And uh, the guy from upstate New York said, wait a minute, I should have thought about the fact you're a pastor. He said, this is – 
This is kind of a bar slash restaurant. Hmm. He said, are you okay with this? And I, I looked around and I said, I don't see anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the only option and it only opens during that season for, for snowmobilers. And so we went in and people were everywhere and, you know, it wasn't a wild place or anything like that. People playing pool and talking and even some families in there. And, and yet here's the cool thing that happened. I'm sitting at a table and, um, the guy happens to mention that I'm a pastor when he did one of the other guys said, you know, I've always had this question about the Bible. Would it be okay if I ask you? And I said, yeah. wow. oh, man, ask away. I'd love it. So he slid up a chair, and he asked me this question about the Bible. I answered it. Somebody overheard me answering a question about the Bible. They slid up a chair, and they, they said, I've always had this question. Well, before the, the night ended, the pool tables had all emptied out. The place was basically gathered around my table and everybody is asking me questions about the Bible because that's an unchurched region. Wow. I had the opportunity that night to sit forever answering one question after another, pointing person after person after person to Jesus. And if I had said, no, I'm going to wait out here in the cold because yeah. I'm separate. Come on. I would have never had the opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. It would have made a great preaching point exactly. and a great illustration. You'd have got some amens. you wouldn't have been able to share your faith. Yeah. Your story reminded me when we were in Salt Lake, I wanted to play softball. I mean, I wanted to play with – that's something that we did here in the South. When I got up there, there's no softball team. So I'm driving through a park, and there is a team of Hispanics. These guys looked rough walking to the ball field to practice. And I rolled down my window, and Kim's hitting me. My wife's hitting me. She's like, do not do what you're about to do. Do not do this. And I said, hey, y'all looking for a player? And they are like – are you a Mormon? That's the first question he asked me. I said, no, sir. He said, yeah, can you hit a ball? I said, far. He goes, let's go. So I jumped out of the car. I was ready. We went and practiced, hit them over. They're like, you, you're playing with us. Our team name was the Diablos. The Diablos. Satan. Like, that was the team name. The devils. <laughs> devils. Devils, yeah. And so it's hilarious. I played three seasons with them. I told them I was a teacher. I did not tell them I was a pastor. I said, I'm a teacher. I didn't tell them what I taught. I became friends with these guys. The pitcher on our team was arrested on the field while playing because they knew that we were there. These guys were hardcore, like big time gangbanger kind of guys. And this fat white bald dude from the South, they called me big country is hilarious. And uh, <laughs> we, we actually had um, the third year that we were there. One of our players was killed. He was murdered in a gang war there in Utah. I was invited to the funeral. Um, it was our, it was our, Last game of the season before we moved back here to Georgia, and we're walking through. We played this team, and I knew that there was a guy on there that knew I was a pastor. And as we're high-fiving at the end of the game, because you could do that pre-COVID, as we're high-fiving each other on the way through, he goes, hey, good game, pastor. One of the guys standing behind me, his name is Sean. Sean is locked up for the rest of his life for murder. He's in Utah in the state penitentiary. I was his one phone call. He calls me all the time. To this day, I've been out of Utah now almost eight years, and I still get calls from Utah State Penitentiary. When that guy high-fived me and said, good game, preacher, Sean's behind me. He goes, what the bleep is he calling you a preacher for? And I was like, well, I told you I was a teacher. I didn't tell you what kind of teacher I was. And he's like, he turned around, he said, guys, this bleep, 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 bleep is a preacher. Can y'all believe that? But to this day, there has been more conversations with those guys. I'm friends with them on Facebook. I hope they're listening to the podcast. Sean's in state penitentiary, and I'll get a phone call randomly from there. That would have never happened 
when I was stuck in IFB world because yeah. those guys are sinners on their way to hell, and they're going to br- – how many times have you heard this? They're going to break hell open at yeah. breakneck speed. Yeah. And we got to wait for them to come to us to have yeah. that aha moment and come to know Jesus where he's calling us to go to them. Yeah. Brian, to pull up on a snowmobile and sit in there and talk to people in that hellish bar to be friends with the world. The world will know you're his disciples – not if you preach at them or wear Christian t-shirts, if you love one another. And love doesn't necessarily mean them sitting in our pews on Sunday morning. Yeah. So after hearing JC's story, I think a good way to close this episode would be for us to explain to those of you right now who are having your minds blown because you've heard cigar shop, you've heard pub in the middle of a snow-covered upstate New York, you've heard the Diablo softball team. And then at the same time, you've heard us talk about the Southern Baptist and JC proved his independent fundamental raising. Did you guys catch that? He said movie house. <laughs> I did that on purpose. <laughs> that was so 1980s. Did that on purpose. And, and, okay. We'll believe that. But <laughs> I think there are a lot of you who right now you would be struggling. Let me just say, this is what we're not saying. We're not saying, as we've repeated over and over again, that we're not to be separate in the way we live. Hmm. We are to live separated lives wholly unto the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. We're, We're supposed to be living to the glory of God in every moment, in the mundane, in the ordinary. So what we're not suggesting, I guess not accepting the IFB interpretation of come out from among them and be you separate, it doesn't mean that the three of us aren't striving to live separated lives to the glory of God and that we wouldn't recommend you to do the same. I think if that- you are a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you. That's going to be an ongoing part of your Christian life. But at the same time, come out from among them and be you separate is also not an excuse to get confined to one little building with one little group of people and to go from that building to your house and your house to that building and you never have a greater impact on the world. I said this recently, guys, and this is my last statement of the night. A fundamentalist guy was arguing with me and it was over, I guess, reaching the world. And what I said to him If reaching the world was up to a fundamentalist mindset and mentality, would the world really be reached? Hmm. Because there's not trying to make people Christians. There's trying to make people fundamentalist. Hmm. That's good. That's good, Brian. And the thing that gets left out too many times in the conversation about holiness and separation is the biggest aspect of separation is not what you separate from. It's what you separate to. Hmm. This hmm. word separation means to be set apart for a purpose. Right. Hmm. It's, it's like sanctification. You're being set apart for God, yeah. for Him. And when you put all the emphasis on what you leave behind, you're missing out on the best part of being a believer. Come on. And that is fellowship with Christ. Paul said that I Amen. may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable to his death, knowing Christ is the pinnacle of 
Christianity. It's not what I left behind. It's not how separated I am from other things. It's really how separated I am to Him. I want to know Him. I want to be close to Him. I want Him to be my greatest passion, my greatest pursuit. One of the most influential books in my life, one of the top two, I would say, is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And I've had multiple people contact me about books we've recommended on here, and that's one I would add to your list. That's a book I've read and reread because that's what it's all about. We're called to know Him and to be separated to Him. Hmm. It's, it's like being saved. It's not just that I'm saved from my sins. I am. It's not just that I'm saved from hell. I'm thankful that I am. Right. I'm saved for a purpose to know him, to share the gospel, to love other people. And I just think when we're known by our separatism, which yeah. is what sums up this whole movement, how separated am I? It becomes this negative thing about what I do, and my holiness becomes about me rather than about God. It's good. Hey, this has been a great conversation today. This is definitely not a one-episode type conversation. We're going to continue this on in future episodes. But as we close out today, we want to give a shout-out uh, to a young man by the name of John Ellis. John wrote a blog this week. You can find it at practicallyknowntheology.com. That's practicallyknowntheology.com. And he just kind of gave us a write-up, a review of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. And it's it was a really cool read, very encouraging. I love this title. The Recovering Fundamentalist, an entertaining and fun podcast about the IFB movement. It's a good read. John, we want to thank you for listening and not only listening, but writing your thoughts down. And hey, we want to hear from you. If the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast has been a help to you, let us know. You can write us in by going to the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the story section there. You can share your story publicly or just send it to us, the host, and we will respond to you eventually um, as we love reading your stories. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hey, like and subscribe. We would love for you to subscribe on SoundCloud, whatever platform you're listening to the podcast. Leave us a review and go over to Patreon. You can do that at recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be a sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist of Patreon today. Guys, it's been a good conversation. Excited to continue this on as we uh, press forward into episode number 19. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I love you guys. Love you too. We'll see you next time. Be sweet. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.